Welcome to Waiting to Download with Jerry and Jess. Our podcast tackles issues of race and gender in tech. We are Christian women of color who want to share our stories and equip and empower other women of color whose stories often go untold, unshared, or are outright disregarded. Though tech careers are plentiful and rewarding, there are often barriers and hurdles for women of color. Join us as we dig into issues of inequities, biases, and injustices that we've been waiting to download. Today's discussion revolves around what it's like to be the only person of color in the room. In today's episode, we have our first guest, who's also my husband, Winston. We have myself, Jerry, and my co-host, Jess. So Winston, why don't you kick us off? Tell us about a time that stands out for you when you were the only person of color in the room. Hmm. So usually when I start a new role, that's day one for me. I'm normally the only person of color in the room. After all the intros, you know, you do that mental head count of people of color in the office, and um, it's rare. You know, it's rare being in IT that you'll find uh, people of color in the organization. Now, I might find myself going up and down floors, you know, surveying the area, trying to find another person of color. Certain organizations, you know, we're plentiful, but others, not so much. Mm. So once I get over that disappointment, you have to make it up in your mind and put on that new suit of, um, I've got to represent the whole race. And, Mm. you know, I've got to look good in front of my peers and management that I meet all their expectations and become a bit of a chameleon. In the sense that, yeah, you'll start code switching and emulating, you know, the dress code of your peers. You want to keep some kind of semblance of yourself, you know, you Mm. want to at least feel like yourself at the end of the day. That's interesting that you felt as if you had to represent the whole race. That's a pretty tall task and and a, a pretty tough thing to do. Where do you think that came from and what impact do you think that had on you as an employee? Yeah. So back in the day, you know, there was affirmative action Mm -hmm. and minorities were hired mainly to fill a quota. This was based on race, not necessarily skill level. And employers needed you for a number. And I'm sure these minority employees were met with hostility. And I'm sure the Caucasian counterparts would want some kind of justification of why you're here, you know? Why are you taking, filling up a spot that could be best used by one of my neighbors? Mm-hmm. And that probably mm-hmm. brought along the term token. Yeah. Well, I think that the term nowadays is diversity hire. Yes. Yeah, you're the diversity hire. I'm the diversity hire. Yeah. Today there still seems to be some kind of resentment You might not overtly hear, what are you doing here? But you're certainly going to be met with looks and microaggressions. There are different levels. You might see this faint surprise look, or you might even get a nice little pleasant smile, uh, hopefully not too condescending, or maybe not. Maybe the smile just drops. But for sure, there's a higher bar to raise 
Um, the standards are going to be higher for you. One thing I hear a lot after I interview debriefing, I'll hear the phrase, oh, he was so articulate. Hmm, as though you weren't supposed to be. Right. And even worse, you'll hear something like, he's totally not what I expected. Mm. And that attitude becomes even more magnified if your work involves any type of writing. Please have every period, dot, punctuation mark, comma, please use spell check before hitting that send button on your email. I ran into a situation not too long ago where uh, one of my coworkers at the time, he's from Russia, and English is not his first language by any means. There was some small talk that uh, he wouldn't be able to accomplish the proposal that we needed to submit. And you know, whether he got outside help, he knocked it out the park. No problems. But when it came to my time to submit a proposal, there was a giant magnifying glass. Mm-hmm. I can remember hearing things after my review, and it didn't matter how technically sound it was. I heard things like, well, this sentence structure is off, or we don't mm. use that term here. We use this acronym, or it became a question of, did you really write this, or did you copy this material mm. from some other resource? And this all stemmed from one individual who was our senior lead, and I don't really know his motivations. Mm. But I quickly learned that he had brought this to management, Mm -hmm. and my manager quickly informed me that, hey, uh, one of your team members is really upset over what you produced, and he rolled his eyes, and he was like, you know, I really know this guy's a jerk and everything, but if you could, if you don't mind, Mm -hmm. would you just take this, like, sort of remedial English writing class and wow. just, just get over it, just get it done with so I don't have to hear from this guy again. So, of course, you have to internalize this and just kind of question your abilities all of a sudden, you know. Do I belong here? Uh, am I a good cultural fit? Um, hmm, maybe not. Um, but you really start to question your own abilities. And at the time, you know, I had to shake that off. It's like, wait a minute. I'm a senior Mm. engineer. I've been at this for 20-plus years. I've been published. I've worked for Microsoft. I've published Microsoft. (sighs) So, again, it's not me. It's them. Wow, that had to really hurt. I I can't even imagine uh, someone doing that to me. Um, But I thank you for sharing that. Just question, how would you have handled that situation? Yeah, no, I think there's the the whole uh, thing about being able to hear what's going on or see what's going on and figure out what's me and what's them. Mm-hmm. You know, I think in the instance of um, getting feedback about my leadership or my lack of um, presence, I have to figure out, well, what part of that do I need to work on mm-hmm. and really do speak up and and not be so um, hesitant. Um, and then what part of it is them where um, they're not seeing that I'm triggering certain things about them, but it's really their thing and not mine. Um, and so, so yeah, I think that there is that part and being able to, um, to separate the two. And then I think when it is the other thing, when it's, it is them, it's just relying somehow on God to, <laughs> 
to speak to them because there's nothing. I mean, I I do a lot of uh, confrontation, although I'm not as intimidating as you, Winston, <laughs> physically. Uh, I can be intimidating when I start speaking and mm-hmm. start to, you know, um, to tell the truth. Uh, but physically, I'm not. Uh, so I think that that has helped to a certain degree. Um, I have one boss who I told him that he was culturally appropriating (laughs) (laughs) in a team meeting I was like "Uh, I think that's cultural appropriation and he's like what's that and I was like well let me tell you you know and (laughs) and so I told him what he was doing and and he's like oh thank you you know and we've had many conversations about uh, race and about uh, sexism Mm -hmm. as well and uh and after I left the team, he was like, um, or as as I was leaving the team, he told me, um, thank you, because no one has talked to him about those things ever, you know? And so I was like, great, you know? But I think that playing the role of being the person to kind of inform and educate can also be tiring. And so I think there's a, a balance of being able to to, to rest a little bit. Um, and I think when, when people say things that, you know, have a nugget of truth, but are mostly lies, that's when I also need to hear from God and saying, okay, God sees me differently. God doesn't see that. Or it doesn't, it's not like this impossible judgment, like, oh, I'm not going to change, you know, because there are things about us that are broken that we need to change. But it's, you know, the way people present it could seem like, I can't do anything about that. And and I think part of the uh, hope in being redeemed people is that God will continue to work on us mm-hmm. and uh, the good sides and the flat sides. Mm-hmm. So uh, so that's something I also have to hold on to is the, the hope that even if some things they say is true, it's not uh, my, it's not damning. Like I'm not going to change. So yeah. What about you, Jerry? I couldn't agree with you more about not changing. For me, I have to go back to the hair thing because that's a very, very real and present and just never-ending issue. When I was going into an office, because I I don't work, I work out of my home now, I would painstakingly cover up my hair, my natural hair. I just felt as if it was not acceptable and accepted. And we see a lot of that even in the news today and the military and things like that and kids in sports and how adults are forcing them to cut their hair and they can't rustle and do all sorts of things. So it's it's just a very sore spot for me. What I do, though, is I rely on prayer, meditation, and scripture to help me get through those times. For instance, uh, one scripture in particular that I recite quite often and, you know, I have it written in various places and things of that nature, Psalms 139.14, which says that I am beautifully and wonderfully made. Because society tells me that I'm anything other than that, I really, really have to internalize that scripture and make it a part of who I am and what I do every day. I recite it and and study it and just I have mantras and affirmations and things of that nature. And uh, 
That's what I rely on because it would be so easy to give into that, to give into those thoughts. So, Winston, we've discussed what it's like to be the only person of color in the room. What about when you are not the only person of color in the room? How do you handle that? Hmm. So, when I am fortunate enough to be in the company of a another person of color in the workforce, I tend to internally become really critical. And maybe I become a little more observant of that person because I'm wearing that suit of representing the whole race. So Mm -hmm. my thinking is you're another representative and let's keep that bar high. And if you're not meeting that expectation, you know, I, I see something like, oh, man. Uh, you just made a run-on sentence, or did you have to use that slang? And, mm-hmm. you know, nine times out of ten, everybody will get what that person is saying, and they'll think, you know, mm. oh, man, you're so much down to earth than Winston. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the guy I'm thinking of, I hired, and uh, he's a project manager now. And I remember one of our early one-on-ones, he expressed how grateful he was for the opportunity, and and he'd do anything to help us out on the job. And then he did some little shuffle dance, and I'm like, whoa, 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 what are you doing? <laughs> what was the dance? He did something like some little step and fetcher move. <laughs> he did like a little shuffle move. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> a shimmy? Yeah, He's just <laughs> You're bringing shame. <laughs> Yeah, so now there's like four of us at the office now, and we'll get into debates, and three things go through my mind immediately. It's like, um, please don't let this be a conversation, a huge debate about hip-hop, you know? And second, you know, if it's going to be sports, um, let's not try to relive our high school days. Let's stay in the present and don't get too passionate about it. And then number three, fellas, please. Hold it down. Let's watch our volume. Now, I'm the team lead, so, you know, occasionally I'll take calls. It's open office, and they'll be heavy in a debate, and, you know, I might do something like, mm. you know, I'll start stabbing my fingers. Keep it down. Keep it down. <laughs> and one of the guys, you know, he kind of called me on it. He's like, you pointed at us, but you didn't point at them, and they were in the debate. Mm-hmm. I was like, uh. Yeah, but you guys are really passionate about it. You know, I know I sound like a hurricane. <laughs> like, you know, I, I've changed up. But I'll snap at everybody now, you know. <laughs> Equal opportunity snap. <laughs> Shut up, please. So comparing both of you or however many, yeah. yeah. Well, you'll get the thing like, you know, they'll twist our names. Right, 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 right. No, I'm Lester. He's Winston. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Not the real names. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting because I used to always, there were two, there was me and one other person of color at um, the financial services company that I worked for, and they would call me by her name all the time. We couldn't look any more different than anybody. She wore gray contacts and, you know, her hair was way different than mine. Mine was way short. Hers was long. Uh, she was thinner than I was. I mean, we couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> There's only two of you, but they can't exactly. tell you guys apart. Exactly. I guess you have a 50% chance of getting it right, right? 
Uh, well, I, uh, but I also don't get, you know, like all these folks could get so much support and so much like wisdom from you um, and feel like, oh, there's someone that I can go to and all that. And you're not, you're not really willing to do that, you know, which is a shame. It is a shame. But I think, you know, by the same token, <laughs> pun intended, um, <laughs> You know, there are some people that are, you know, they want to be the only person in the room uh, mm-hmm. and they want to appear, you know, special. Com- exactly. Yeah. And that they are completely assimilated and they're mm-hmm. not like those other people over there and try to mm-hmm. distance themselves mm-hmm. as much as possible because, you know, they're just so different. So, so Winston, tell me about a time or the time when you went from being invisible to being very visible and, you know, noticeable in white spaces or you were the only one in the room, only person of color in the room. I can remember back in 2007 in Chicago, uh, I was on my way to a meeting and I had my suit on and I can remember the faces of uh, white guys um, just all of a sudden who would never have noticed me before, but they had this look on their face like, wow, you know, I think this is a thing with you black guys now. You you really are becoming something, you know, and any other time they would have just not paid attention to me. I wow. could be just a, another piece of graffiti on the wall. But that day after Obama's election, uh, I guess it was like, wow, welcome black man. I mean. They're everywhere now. This is amazing. Uh, welcome to our planet. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Interesting, too. Uh, do you really think that it was them noticing you for the first time? Or maybe because, you know, suddenly we had a black president that maybe, you know, you you were just noticing them and, and feeling a little extra confident. But either way, it's really interesting because... Um, I actually, I can relate uh, going from feeling invisible to visible. And, and to be completely honest and, you know, transparent, I am someone who was okay with flying under the radar. <laughs> um, but I remember a time back when I was in high school, it was a history class, and the professor asked, well, when people see you, what do they see first, your gender or your race? And the guys I don't remember if the guy said anything, but I remember the girls in the class saying, well, of course they see your gender. And, you know, I was a little hesitant to speak up, but, you know, I I was a clear your throat type moment where it was like, I don't think that's really what they see first when they see you. They definitely, if, if that is uh, a variable in the mix that I think they definitely see your color first. And, you know, as we discussed in the last episode, you're in a lot of ways prejudged by that genetic discrimination going on and people thinking you were inferior for whatever reason. But again, really, really interesting the feeling of going from invisible to visible and suddenly where you didn't have a voice or you know where you you were somewhat ignored there's a bit of extra scrutiny on you yeah no absolutely I think my takeaway just from talking to both of you today is that uh, it's really helpful to to 
to be validated, to not feel like you're crazy. Yes. <laughs> and so I think being the only one in the room, uh, at times, you, I think we internalize so many things mm-hmm. and we don't realize how bad it is and the, the weight of being represent, you know, re- representing your whole race or your whole gender, um, the, the weight of performance, the weight of being misunderstood, uh, the weight of feeling like, okay, I just need to let this go, but I can't, you know, all these things I think can just feel very uh, heavy. And uh, knowing that uh, we have um, other people that um, are fellow believers or people that we know that are friends that could just help kind of validate that this isn't, you know, you're not crazy. This is upsetting. Mm -hmm. Um, It's okay to be upset and just let us be upset when we're upset. Um, And then gradually, I think we need to snap out of it at some point, but you know, um, it's validated most of the time. And so having that, that support group um, and, and hopefully we're doing that for our listeners here by just sharing our stories and our experiences people who might find themselves in the same situations don't feel like they're the only ones that there's people like us that have gone through similar situations better or worse um and yeah that's our hope my final word of advice is if and when you find yourself in corporate spaces where you are the only person of color in the room try and figure out when it's the voice of self-doubt as opposed to when, you know, it's microaggressions and things of that nature. And whatever you do, don't internalize it. Well, I want to thank our special guest today, Winston <laughs> McMiller, for joining us. AKA honey. <laughs> <laughs> and thank our listeners for joining us today. Till next time. Thank you for tuning in today. If you're enjoying our podcast, hit the like button and subscribe. You can also follow us on social media at Waiting to Download on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Please share a podcast with your family, friends, and even your enemies. Waiting to Download is a podcast about race and gender in the tech industry. Opinions are our own and do not represent any organization we are part of.